1: more and more responsibility, right? You you work, you're really building a career, you might have a partner, you know, a dog, a house, a mortgage, all of these things. It's really rare to sort of be in a position where you don't have a lot of responsibility. And when I made this decision, I, I was in that place.
0: You just heard from my guest today, Brooke Thayer, who uh, is doing an adult Gap Year. And I knew I had to get her on the show when she wrote me an email and the subject header was another corporate dropout. She said that she was in the middle of an adult gap year traveling the world. She left a corporate job in San Francisco at 34 years old and she wanted to talk about it. And I loved this concept of an adult gap year. It's something we've talked about on the show, but we haven't done a full episode on. You know, Why should all of the young kids have all the fun? right? Gap year is usually that thing that happens when people graduate high school or university and they take a year off to travel. I guess the idea is that they're uh, going to have fun and then enter the real world where it's not fun. Well, (laughs) screw that. Because once you take off traveling, you never know where it's going to lead you. And that's why I wanted to bring Brooke on the show, because I was wondering, since she was now four months into her traveling at the time of this recording. If she regretted anything, if she regretted leaving her corporate job, if she wasn't happy out on the road, what she learned uh, about preparing for an adult gap year, what was her mindset like beforehand, what is her mindset like now? Of course, all of this is meant to bring out some of the best lessons and tips for you. So if you're somebody that's considered taking either a gap year, a gap summer, a gap month, taking a career break, dropping out. Going traveling, you're going to want to listen to this episode. We talk about the common fears around taking an adult gap year, some advice on how to overcome them, how a self-described planner, in Brooke's words, is able to manage a year of travel, getting the best of both worlds, spontaneity and planning, how to kind of keep that balance. Why Brooke thinks this post-COVID travel time may be a, quote, golden travel era, We touch on her experience as a solo female traveler. She shares practical advice on taking an adult gap year, including specific numbers and budgeting. We debate the small suitcase versus the backpack dilemma. She shares how travel can change your attitude and goals in some unexpected ways. We get some less talked about destination recommendations, her best advice for meeting locals and so much more. You're going to love this chat. And I've got more in the show as well. I want to talk a bit about this idea of what you think you're giving up versus what you are actually giving up, which ties in to to this whole lead up to uh, an adult gap year and one of the themes that I pulled out of this show. And of course, we got a quote, shout out, somebody in the community and so much more. It's all happening In today's episode, right now, we're dropping it, so kick back, relax, grab your favorite beverage, enjoy a little you time, thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. Now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Ah, the good old-fashioned gap year reapplied to adults and (laughs) that's the subject of today's show and i think it's an important one because one of the things that brooke pointed out at the top you know as you get older it just is natural that you get more responsibilities and that can make it harder of course to take off and travel for x amount of time whether it's a year a few months whatever but that doesn't mean you can't make it happen yourself. It's totally doable. And that's why I wanted to put this show together to give you some strategies, tips, concepts, and a lot of mindset stuff really as well. That's one of the biggest hurdles is getting our minds around not only taking the career break and uh, some of the fears that might come with leaving a career for X amount of time. Maybe you think it's going to set you back in life some ways, Uh, giving up certain comforts that you've built up in your life. In Brooke's case, she had a rent-controlled apartment in San Francisco, which apparently is really hard to come by. She had to give that up. There are always things you have to give up uh, to get something else, but what you get in return Is it worth it? Was it worth it to her? You know, she's four months into the trip. You'll have to listen to the interview and see. I'm so excited to bring it to you. And of course, on the back end, I want you to stick around. I do want to talk about this concept of what you think you may be giving up versus what you are actually giving up, which ties into many of the themes that come up in this interview. Okay, let's slip and slide into today's interview segment, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. And we are officially recording. Can you give me a mic check?
1: Hey, Jason, can you hear me? Yes.
0: Can you give me a coffee check?
1: Oh, yeah. Full
0: cup. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm on the line with Brooke Thayer, who was kind enough to reach out, I don't know, a few weeks ago now, and offer herself up as a guest to talk about your experience doing this adult gap year. So essentially leaving your job and taking a year off. And now you're four months into it, from what I understand.
1: Is that yeah. correct, Brooke? Well, I've okay. had about four months of travel and about six to seven months off work, um, just being able to have some downtime, hanging with family and friends, and a little bit of domestic travel in there as well.
0: Okay. Well, I do have to say first, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Cause that's, Thank you. <laughs> we have to welcome you officially. Okay. So the six to seven months of downtime with family and friends, was that before you actually took off traveling or? Uh,
1: So I, um, I guess in total about six to seven months since I was working a corporate job. So yeah, I, I finished work over in San Francisco and then took a month off, um, did a little road trip with my dad, hung out with friends and family in the Seattle area. And then I set out to Europe um, and did about four months in Europe. And then now I've had two months back at home in Seattle, kind of just, taking a little vacation from my vacation
0: heading out tomorrow actually
1: (laughs) for the for the Uh, second leg
0: where are you going
1: tomorrow i'm heading to mexico okay one of the few places open right now
0: yes okay you just said the vacation from the vacation so that's something we're going to have to like what do they what do they say in corporate america we're going to put a (laughs) pin in that and then we're going to (laughs) come back and, and talk about that everybody's putting a pin in something Corporate speak always kind of goes through trends, right? I think putting a pin in it is like the latest trend. I don't know. Mm. Circle back. I don't know. You know. Whatever. Yeah. I used to work in corporate America a bit, right? So you maybe know something.
1: Oh, about. tons of those. <laughs> yes, I'm actually um, kind of thankful to not have to hear those very often anymore. I have to say, but we we can double click on that later and circle back.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. That's okay. That's a new one to me. That's how long I've been out of the game. So no. Okay. Well. There's a lot to unpack here because I will say that the core of this episode and big reason I wanted to have you on was to just through your story kind of let people understand if, uh, why an adult gap year might be for them, if it's, if it maybe is a thing they should consider and how to go about sort of doing it. Now, I know we're just going to get your experience, but I love this idea of taking an adult gap year, as you're calling it. You know, gap year is, a popular thing in some cultures around the world, like I think in Australia and, and the UK and some of these other countries where, you know, after university, people will take a year off and they'll go traveling. And it's like generally accepted in the culture, which I think is really cool. You go, go learn about the world. But, you know, it's taking that same principle and applying it to a place maybe where it's not as accepted, which is, you know, somebody in say their mid thirties, who's on a career track and say, hey, I'm just going to take a year off and and go to see the world. So it's like, you don't have to quit your job and just travel forever but you also don't have to just do the 2 weeks vacation thing. Maybe this is a happy medium for some. I don't know. So anyway, I'm excited to get into this. First, I guess I wanted to learn a bit more about you so we can understand where you're coming from in terms of your experience and did you grow up in in the Seattle area? Is that where you're from or
1: I did. Yeah, I grew up okay. in a little suburb outside of Seattle and then went to college in Seattle. Um, but I actually spent the last 10 years in San Francisco. I went to grad school in the Bay area and then I've been in the Bay area for the last 10 years ever since I, I left my job actually.
0: What brought you to the Bay?
1: Uh, I, I went to grad school for bioengineering.
0: Okay. Bioengineering. So you design medical devices or do you want to give us like a real world example of something that you would
1: Sure. Um, So I'm actually I'm a technically a chemical engineer, but also got a little bit of bioengineering background, and I would design the manufacturing process to make our drugs. And the biotech company that I worked for primarily develops and commercializes uh, cancer drugs. So it was, um, you know, it was an awesome job, an awesome company. I I have so much gratitude for for this company. Uh, I was there for about eight years. And yeah, it was really interesting work, um, but it's also very demanding. And um, you know, in a lot of ways, I think it set me up for success. But in some ways, you sometimes need a break from what you're doing. So <laughs> here we are.
0: Yeah. Was it the work that was demanding or the work culture, as in may- maybe the overall culture in-, in the United States, the work culture, or like specifically at the companies that you were working for or the company you were working with?
1: Yeah, I'd say a bit of both. Um, in In the Bay Area, and this is just—I've really only lived in Seattle and San Francisco, so it's a n equals two comparison. But it's a it's a you know work is life kind of culture. Um, what I've noticed there, and then also just the more travel that I've done, I've realized work is life is sort of our American culture, and it's it's very you're highly praised to sort of work yourself into the ground in the U.S. and um, you know, in general, we're just not robots. <laughs> and I think having a little bit of time to step away and kind of realign your priorities is incredibly helpful and eye-opening.
0: Mm. So it sounds like on many levels, your work was rewarding. I mean, it sounds like you know, it was challenging. Obviously, you were developing drugs for cancer patients that that in and of itself sounds like a very nice thing to be doing in terms of you can show up to work every day and feel good about what you're doing what were some of the hardest things to give up when you started considering you know it, it doesn't mean you can never go back of course but i think the the illusion that we kind of give ourselves in these situations is like and, and maybe it's like reinforced by the culture right is if you if you like, get off the career track or you quit your job or something and do something like this, you, that's it. You're done. You're never going to be able to come back in on any level and they're going to write you off and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, did you have that? those kind of fears?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. All my friends think I'm crazy. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they have hopefully they realize I'm they're not They're the crazy, crazy. ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Maybe they still think I'm crazy. Um, definitely. It took me... Um, I think I thought about doing this for... Over a year and a half before I finally bit the bullet, and I was fortunate enough as well. My company offers a sabbatical after six years of employment with them, and a paid sabbatical. And so I was able to take a ten-week trip. That was a life-changing trip for me. It was. It opened my eyes to long-term travel. It, um, you know, I just. I'm so thankful that my company uh, let me do this and. I remember the moment I, we announced that I was flying from Yangon in Myanmar back to San Francisco and the pilot announced the descent into San Francisco. And I just, uh, I, I'm not a very emotional person in general. I'm pretty even, but I just like, I started crying. I had this huge emotional response and I was like, I'm not ready to go home yet. <laughs> I want to keep traveling. And I knew right then that I had to, to take a year off and, and do this. And so it took me a while to work up the nerve. I decided I wanted to you know, save a bit more money. Uh, I had to figure out what to do with all of my my things. I had an awesome rent controlled apartment in San Francisco. Uh, there's a lot of logistics you have to figure out, and then also just the courage. Um, you know, we're we're taught to just work, 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 climb the career ladder, and so taking some time away, knowing that there could be um, you know a negative repercussion to my career. Um yeah it's it's a bit scary but honestly now that I've I've been out of the corporate world for yeah like 6 or 7 months I I couldn't be happier um been able to really think about priorities and also think about what I want to do next and honestly it's it's not going back to a corporate job
0: <laughs> That's a big change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to hear more about this this 10 week sabbatical you know not everybody is going to necessarily have the opportunity to get a 10-week paid thing. Not that you didn't earn it working for six years at this company, and that was something they offered. But the same principle could be applied. Somebody might be able to apply that in their situation. Maybe they can't get paid, but maybe they can get permission to take sabbatical or something like that. So uh, it is possible to take unpaid leave at companies. You You don't have to just stick to the two weeks paid vacation that you get. Uh, You just have to be willing to do it, right? And make a plan for it. But what was the trip give us like kind of a synopsis of of the trip was this your I mean we can talk about destinations but also was this sort of your first time traveling solo were you backpacking what was your travel experience before this was this your first extended trip but how did this fit into your own travel experience leading up to this
1: yeah so this was I'd say my first time backpacking or traveling backpacker style Uh, I had done your
0: travel type independent yeah. budget travel in a way.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I had done a three week trip in Europe. Um, that was my first ever solo trip and I did hotels and I, I didn't quite know how to travel, I guess, more budget friendly. And, um, and I also did a, a G adventures tour, um, for nine days in Costa Rica. So I, I guess I, I don't know if I'd call that solo travel because I was with the group, but those were um, The times I had work, it sort of inched my way into the solo travel world. And so, yes, getting these 10 weeks was such a gift. I'm super lucky. And I totally agree with you that companies will offer unpaid time. You just have to ask for it (laughs) Um, and generally have a good rationale for why you want to do it. But yeah, this was my first time traveling on a more, uh, I'd say, larger scale, you know, something longer than just a couple of weeks. And the funny thing was I didn't realize that you could go to a country and be there for more than three weeks <laughs> because it, the concept just didn't occur to me. And so I had 10 weeks. I decided to do um, split the time between New Zealand, Australia. I did about a week in Bali and then a couple of weeks in Myanmar. And so it's actually quite a bit of jumping around for 10 weeks. But I, for the most part, I'm a planner and all my trips before, I planned not not by the hour, but definitely I had you know, hotels booked and I knew what I wanted to do in each location and how I'd get from A to B. And I decided that with this trip, with with ten weeks, it's going to be impossible to plan. I would drive myself crazy. But I did I did do a bit of planning. I booked some flights and booked a bit of you know Airbnbs and hotels and whatnot. But I decided that. I was going to do three weeks in New Zealand and I was going to kind of challenge myself and get out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and so I booked a flight to Auckland and then three weeks later, I had a flight leaving from Christchurch. And I was giving myself three weeks to just figure it out on the fly, which was so unlike me and <laughs> my nature. But I I also wanted to stay in hostels and just sort of get that whole experience. Um, uh, you you know, you, you alluded to the fact that in a lot of other cultures gap years are sort of a rite of passage and we don't have that culture in the US it's pretty rare to do this and so i really wanted to give it a shot even though i'm kind of a bit older i think i was 33 at the time which is not too old by any means but you always think of these you know 18 year olds out there and so uh, i wanted to give it a shot and get that experience for myself and i remember being so stressed out the first night i was like oh i don't know where i'm sleeping tomorrow oh no and then by the end of the three weeks, I was like, all right, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. And in this little town, all the hostels are booked. But worst case, I'll sleep in my car. It'll be fine. Like, I, it just completely changed my perspective on um, being able to travel and to wing it and how awesome hostels are and how easy it was to meet people and how fun it could be. And then after that, I, I literally canceled all my hotels for the trip. I changed them to host, or you know, I chose to do hostels instead. I tried to not put such a hard outline on you know, my my travel dates and my flights and kind of wing it a bit more. And it really it really opened my eyes. I would say I I didn't realize how easy travel and how cheap travel could be, and it that was just a mind blowing experience because. I think in the U.S., the typical thing is you get your two weeks a year and you you might go to Hawaii for a week and spend $300 a night on a hotel. And it's just not it's not very affordable and um, it's not very accessible to a lot of people. And so realizing that I can stay and New Zealand is arguably a pretty expensive place to travel, but I could stay in a hostel for 20 bucks a night. It's it becomes very accessible uh, to travel Mm -hmm. in that way.
0: I'm thinking about. You know, you labeling yourself as a planner and there's this uh, I think there's this thing that can happen when it's it's normal, right? It's like knowing yourself. Okay, you know, okay, I'm a planner. I enjoy when things are planned. I understand that I want to know what's coming up. Right. But when it comes to the uncertainty of the road, you have to let go of that in some ways. But you don't necessarily have to either how did that experience free you from that label you were putting on yourself? Does it, does it feel more freeing or maybe not? I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was definitely outside my comfort zone to not feel very planned, but I think I, now I sort of get the best of both worlds. Um, it's still in my nature to want to, you know, research a place. I think part of the fun of traveling is looking up a place before you go and getting excited about the trip and, you know, what things do you for sure not want to miss? And sometimes it can be really beneficial. If you have your date set, you can book, you know, tickets to museum or whatever it is that you want to do that you might not be able to book so easily otherwise. Um, but you can also go with the flow. I mean, there's, there's times when, especially when you're backpacking, you meet people in hostels and maybe they're going a different way, or maybe they're going to go do some cool road trip and they invite you and you want to go. And so I found that, um, Really doing a bit of research, but not making too many like hard and fast plans, is just an awesome way to go because you can be really sort of opportunistic and you know, jump on board when something comes up.
0: I love that. It's interesting how travel can reveal the things you're capable of in some ways that maybe just not that you ever doubted yourself. I'm not talking about you specifically, but just in general. But it, maybe it it helps to reveal some of these things that you weren't aware. Oh yeah, I am a resourceful person. Oh yeah, I can go with the flow. Oh, I can figure this out on the fly, even though maybe I I wasn't sure about this before I started traveling. I think it's a wonderful thing to do in that way. It's one of the biggest, travel is one of the biggest self-development tools out there, I feel.
1: (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And I think also when you're traveling, you kind of have this headspace that's hard to get in other ways. You're just like for me, I felt like I'm. I feel like I'm so much more open to experiences and and things. And honestly, I think just being able to take that time off and really being open to kind of getting outside my comfort zone, even though it was hard at sometimes, it really changed me for the better. And I think I'm also very inspired by people I've met, other travelers. Um, I guess for for example, when I first started out on this ten week sabbatical. I had no intention of traveling long term. I thought this was a, you know, essentially a once in a lifetime trip and I I imagined that, you know, if I stayed at this company my next sabbatical i would probably be raising a kid. <laughs> and so I knew that this could be the only thing, the only time I'm doing something like this. And then the more I talked to people, um, a lot of young people, I was really inspired by them. A lot of them were traveling for 6 months or even a year and I would always tell them, "Hey, I'm you know, that's so awesome that you're doing this. I, I wish I would have done something like this when I was your age, but I'm, you know, that's so cool. Just trying to be encouraging. And they would just ask me, like, Well, why don't you do it? I would say, Well, oh, I can't. I I have this really important job and you know, I got this apartment in San Francisco and they'd say, Oh, cool, okay, so you've you've saved money. So you have money saved. So it's actually easier for you to do this than it is for me. <laughs> and So they had, over these 10 weeks, they kind of broke me down a bit. But I, I think I was in that headspace to be able to be receptive to these new ideas and, and things that I hadn't considered. And um, it, it did take 10 weeks, but it clicked. And I, I knew at the end of that trip that I had to do it, too.
0: They broke you down. These lights are getting hot, aren't they, Brooke? Oh yeah. yeah. Good cop, bad cop in the hostel, I guess.
1: Exactly. (laughs) They're persuasive.
0: (laughs) You're right. When you get into uh, you, you, you never know how your mind's going to be when you enter a space like that. Ten weeks of travel certainly has the capability of changing you in a lot of ways. And sounds like even... I love that your your uh, switch sort of flipped on the plane ride, touching down to San Francisco, basically like, I'm not going to be doing this for much longer, this corporate gig. But I want to hear about the time leading up to the, to the gap year portion, I guess. The, the time between the sabbatical and... You continued to work, but then you were also already deciding that you were going to be quitting your job and taking this gap year. First of all, we should explain why are you considering this a gap year? Because you're you're traveling for a year, and then you're planning on doing something afterwards, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah my my initial thought was to take a year off and then likely rejoin the corporate world. Um, maybe try something a little bit different. Maybe a, a new location maybe a new company, maybe even a new industry. But I have always had some sort of entrepreneurial goals. And so I, I'd say taking this time off has really made me kind of think about myself and what I want out of my life and what's important. I think also with the pandemic, it's, it's made us all kind of question you know, ourselves and what we want out of life. And I, I realized how important it was to be fully location-independent And so my, my plan is to, yeah, attempt to start my own company um, at the end of this and we'll see. I mean, obviously it's a very unpredictable time. And so it might be that I, um, you know, I haven't been able to travel um, as much, you know, as, as early as I was hoping to with everything. And so it might be that I actually do a year and a half or two years, but yeah, that's, that's my plan is to, to give that a shot and, knowing that the corporate world is there and that I have, I mean, that's one of the beauties I think of doing this at this age is not only do I have, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to be able to, um, you know, save up some money. And so I don't feel a huge pressure on that. And it's also allowing me to, to do this, you know, overall. Um, but also know that I do have some flexibility if, you know, if this, if this doesn't work out, I'm, I can always try to go back to a, a corporate role and you know, life will be good. And life will be fine.
0: This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic And enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at nissanusa.com. That's key. Looking at it as a block of time and just saying, okay, I'm taking this time to travel, to experience travel, to be in the world. And afterwards, I'm going to either get a job or, in your case, start a a remote business. So you can be location independent. Whatever the case is, you're you're giving yourself that sacred space to travel in a way. And, uh, you know, not everybody wants to work and travel or build a business while they're traveling and not everybody wants to travel forever or build a business. Like you said, maybe you want to go back to the, the corporate world, which isn't going anywhere. Like it's when you're like, when you're leaving a destination, Oh, I haven't seen this. I'd like to do this. But that it's not going anywhere. You can always come back and visit. Right. And I think that's where the power can be in this gap year. And for some people listening, it might be gap year. might be gap summer. might be gap quarter. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but you're giving yourself the space with a bit of a buffer for travel that you can come out the other end and do X, Y, or Z. I think it's cool. So how did the pandemic, I don't like to, I don't love talking about the pandemic because eventually it's going to be over. Knock on wood. Of course it will be, but it, it had to have been a big factor in your decision, right? Because if you started this 6 or 7 months ago, you're going into you're not going into a normal world where you're taking a gap year. So how much did you weigh that decision? Were you thinking about waiting till this whole thing was over? Oh, I'll just ride this out for a couple more years. What how did you what was the thought process there?
1: Yeah, um it's you know, it's a heavy question and I will say that I was hoping to sort of plan and start this this whole adventure earlier. And then, you know, this, this hit, this kind of struck the world by force and it was very unpredictable and in many ways. Um, And I, we didn't, none of us know how long it will be around. Um, We're fortunate now that vaccines are out and things are looking pretty positive for the most part, but it, it's been very hard on a lot of people and myself included. Actually, I had covid i was i was I happened to be at mardi gras um, last year which this is before we knew about social distancing and masks and it ended up being a super spreader of it <laughs> um, sort of right at the very beginning of it all so you know i like to think i was an early adopter uh, with covid but i mean i you know jokes aside it wasn't it wasn't easy and it was actually a really hard experience and so um, you know i i do take it very seriously and it it really did delay my um, travel by a pretty significant amount. Um, I will say the U.S. lifted the level four travel advisory. Um, we had a level four do not travel kind of blanket advisory um, for the entire world. And so that was lifted. And I, I kind of took that as a sign of, okay, if I follow all the regulations, do everything that I think is, um, you know, is safe and ethical, then it looks like I can be able to travel. And so um, Croatia was accepting Americans as long as you haven't had a negative COVID test. And so that was my first destination. Um, but it it certainly wasn't the same as traveling in a normal time. Some places it felt like COVID didn't exist, and some places it it did. But for the most part, I think I was surprised how. I don't want to say receptive but uh, a lot of locals actually had a lot of gratitude because a lot of people's livelihoods depend on people spending money when they're visiting and uh, I had someone in in Turkey I, I was carrying a shopping bag and someone in Turkey came up to me and gave me a hug and said thank you for supporting our economy and so I would say it like, was
0: great but you can skip the hug next
1: time right? <laughs> yeah. I was like come on man <laughs> but it's Um, Yeah, I'd say that in general, it wasn't necessarily easy, but, you know, every country has regulations and I would follow them to a T um, and make sure that, you know, wear masks, socially distance when, where possible and just do your best. And um, for the most part, I felt actually a lot safer traveling in other countries than in the U.S. uh, just due to, you know, with COVID and and sometimes other things too, (laughs) to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's nice to hear. I'm sure people are curious what the experience has been like for you. Maybe some people are sitting in your shoes, uh, your shoes six months ago, and they're trying to decide if they should get out there and, and start doing it. So you're you're voting yes for that. Sounds like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to say I hate to give a blanket recommendation for everyone because everyone is going to have a different comfort level. Um, but I mean, right now, I actually think the second half of 2021 is going to be this golden time to travel when more vaccines have been distributed and there still isn't going to be as many travelers. I mean, I was able to go. I went to the Acropolis in Athens. I was the only one there. It was me and a couple of construction workers. And these are experiences that you just aren't ever probably going to be able to happen again. And so I think it's I I, I would recommend it. But obviously, you gotta, you gotta go
0: with your gut. You have to do your due diligence. And like you said, the following of the regulations, not just for ethical reasons, but legal reasons as well. I heard about some tourists that were arrested in Thailand and thrown in jail because they, they were not following the local regulations. And there was some party at a bar. It sounds pretty innocent. You know, you're just in, on some Island going to a, a beach bar party—you don't think you're going to get thrown in jail for up to two years or whatever? I'm not sure how it's going to go down or what's going to happen, but these everybody enforces their policies in different ways, and you have to be very aware of what they are for all the reasons we mentioned. So, I don't know if it's a disclaimer. This is not a legal show. We're not. Prefer- this is for educational purposes only. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> take take from it what you will. I wanted to talk about some of the hardest things to give up because when you lead up to something like this, there's, there's the idea, right? And that's exciting. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take this gap year. I'm going to go do this thing. And then there's the, the working up to it. In your case, that was about a year and a half. You said where you're, you're thinking about giving up your rent control department and, and the logistics. So there's these logistics that have to be handled and these big questions that have to be answered Some of them are easy in many ways. Some of them are really hard, either emotionally or just logistically. So I I wanted to hear about some of the hardest things for you and maybe some of the things that were surprisingly easy and you didn't think they would be.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's a loaded question as well. I'd say that because I was honestly so excited to do this, it... Really gave me some momentum with kind of making those hard decisions of um, you know leaving my apartment that I had been in for ten years. and I don't know how familiar everyone is with the San Francisco rental market, but having a rent controlled apartment that you've been in for ten years is like gold. <laughs> that was actually a, a factor, right i um San Francisco was my home at that point, ten years. And yeah, I've been at this company for a long time and they were so good to me. and It was um, just such a great experience. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to leave this comfort zone that I had for you know, several years. Uh, the good thing is I know my friends will be there. Um, that's really comforting. But I also um, at the time had a significant other and that that was a really tough thing. Um, you know, it's one of those things that we, without getting to you know, TMI, um, he knew right off the bat that we would, that I would be going on this trip. Um, That was sort of when we first got together, but what we didn't anticipate was COVID and um, having that additional time. And honestly, when you're kind of locked together, it can really make or break couples. And so um, we ended up getting a lot closer than we would have ever guessed. And so that was, that was tough um, knowing that this is a dream of mine and Um, I will say like one thing that like might be a bit different doing this as a 35 year old versus, you know, 22 year old is that in general, as you go through life, you get more and more responsibility, right? You, you work, you're really building a career. You might have a partner, you know, a dog, a house, a mortgage, all of these things. It's really rare to sort of be in a position where you don't have a lot of responsibility. And um, when I made this decision, I, I, I was in that place. I actually am, um, I was divorced and I think that's a, um, you know, don't worry, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, <laughs> but it's one of those things that, you know, I suddenly had this freedom and this ability to do what I wanted. And honestly, it'd be really tough to do this while you're married or, you know, in some sort of um, partnership. And so it was something that I knew it was a dream of mine. And I, I felt so strongly about doing it that I I knew I had to do it. I couldn't, I couldn't kind of let myself down there, and so um, you know my my partner he was really understanding about it, but it it was tough it was hard to to walk away from that and just the, also the comforts of home to be honest when you're traveling in a backpacker style you're living out of a suitcase or a backpack my controversial opinion is that the small suitcase is the way to go instead of the backpack but um, that's a personal opinion so it's it is tough, right? You're you're sleeping in a room with strangers. You have a shared bathroom. You have maybe three outfits that you rotate. <laughs> um, it, you don't always know. I I also have celiac, and so um, that's a diet where or that's a it's an autoimmune condition where you have to eat gluten free, um, which does make eating in general can be tough depending on where you're traveling. And so, yeah, it it is a lot of sacrifice not just sort of the long-term things and the big things like your job and you know your your partner and whatnot but also the little things of you know sleeping in your own room with a bathroom right there um you know having to uh not have like a fully functional kitchen you're sort of at mercy of whatever hostel has or if you want to go out um you know oftentimes having a language barrier especially if you have a dietary restriction um, cause I know there's a, my, my twin sister, I have a twin sister and she's a vegetarian and she goes through a similar thing where, um, it's tough to travel and, um, it can be a, it can be a challenge, but I have to say exactly all the creature comforts, but I think it also makes me stronger, right? I, I know that I don't need much to be happy. I'm happy with my three outfits and <laughs> my hostel kitchens and, I know that now I can really think about what makes me happy as a person and I'm not such a slave to kind of the corporate paycheck and going on, you know, my my fancy vacations and my designer shoes. I don't really need that anymore. I thought I did, but I don't now. Hmm. And it's opened my eyes a lot.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's easy to sort of say I don't need a lot to be happy, but to really know it on a soul level Going around and not having a lot, and then being happy, makes it real. Oh, I don't. I don't need a lot to be happy. I really don't need a lot to be happy. <laughs> As Definitely. opposed to, to the idea, the 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 experience of it, and, and the living through it, and and the realization that comes with that, I think is is so powerful. One of the many powerful th- things about travel, and also. I do find, you know, I'm a little bit fixated on this transition to travel piece, this this trip before the trip or journey before the journey, as I call it, because I think it's 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 a magical time and also a challenging time because just the decision to travel in the way that you decided means you're immediately facing a lot of big questions and you just address some of them, right? What am I going to do about a relationship I'm in? It's not so much about the rent control department, although that's a perk you don't want to give up. That's almost surface level compared to, hey, uh, am I going to let my identity go as a a career professional? Uh, Am I going to close this chapter of my life? Essentially, I'm leaving San Francisco. Basically, not that you can't go back, but you're kind of saying, "Hey, this chapter of my life is over. Am I ready to give that up and go on to a new thing?" And and, and there are all these uh, you could almost call them dramatic bookends leading up to the trip that you have to sort of create. Right? You're 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 kind of putting a stake in the ground, I, I suppose, in a lot of different things. You you have to answer these questions. There's no avoiding it. Right? Like if you're in a relationship and you're not happy, well, you can just keep I'm not saying that that was you, but I mean you, it's easy to keep going on and on because you're just kind of living your daily life, but if you're taking off on a plane, <laughs> you don't know when you're going to come back, it's like okay, we got to have the real conversations now. So was that the hardest part facing all that?
1: I think so. You really are forced to confront a lot. And you know my my intention I was planning on sort of returning to San Francisco um, I did end up, uh, my partner and I did end up um, splitting. And so now I feel like the draw to San Francisco might not be there. And so um, in some ways it could have been very defined. You know, I could have done it for a year, gone back to San Francisco. I could have started a company from San Francisco. Um, but now I feel a bit more flexible um, because I do feel a bit more free in that regard. And so it is more open-ended. And I think when you travel too, like like I mentioned before, you're sort of in this very open-minded headspace. And you're willing to entertain you know, different ideas and different perspectives that you might not normally see in your little bubble, especially in San Francisco, which is a total bubble. <laughs> um, and so I'd say I, I think you could in some ways plan for it to be very confined. I love the idea, what you mentioned of, you know, taking a not a gap year necessarily, but a gap summer, or a gap month or whatever it is, whatever is accessible with somebody's you know, situation with their their work and financially, etc. But it is sort of nice to be able to have this sort of open-ended thing as well. I do feel super grateful for that.
0: Yeah, I think it's important because you don't know how you're going to feel afterwards. You don't know how you're going to change as a person. So make all the plans you want of what you're going to do after uh, traveling for 10 weeks, say, on a sabbatical or a year, whatever the case is. But you don't really know how you're going to feel until you go and have those experiences. We can only guess. And you might go and think that being on the road is a terrible experience. You don't really like traveling as much as you thought you did. And you're gonna go back to living you know, one place. And that's cool too. I think sometimes travel is also important for, for those that wanna do it. It can be important just to, for anything really, just to learn about the things you don't like. Those are as valuable as, as learning about the things that you do like in many ways right? Definitely.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: What have you learned that you don't like maybe when it comes to this type of lifestyle, living on the road the way you are now and traveling full-time? Because you mentioned, we'll circle back to this, that we put a pin in, this whole vacation from the vacation. Why did you need a vacation from the vacation?
1: Yeah. So I would say in general, I think I'm very uh, tolerant of sort of the hostile life (laughs) like all my friends again they think I'm crazy they prefer the five-star hotels and so they think I'm insane that I would you know share a room with strangers um but for the most part I would say that's not much of a problem um I'd say the hardest thing can be honestly loneliness when you're it depends on when you're traveling and where you're traveling of course but the last week of my trip, I was in Turkey and I wanted to go see the southeast. Um, and I had a I had a whole crew. We did an awesome road trip around the south of Turkey. It was amazing, but they were all leaving and it was it was just me and I was gonna do one more week and then fly home. But the whole time during that week, I didn't meet any other travelers. There I was um, there were no hostels, so I was the only one in both of the hotels I stayed at, nobody I met spoke English, <laughs> um, so it's all using Google Translate. And you know, that's I think some of that's the the beauty of travel. And I had um, this amazing experience where I met this um, Syrian refugee who um, brought me to his home and his family and let me stay there and cook me dinner. And it was this amazing experience that I'll never take back. But it was hard not being able to have a conversation in english for you know a whole week and being pretty isolated for a whole week and i remember feeling um okay i'm ready to go home <laughs> i'm not permanently i'm i am planning on flying out tomorrow actually um but my intention was to come home for a month and you know it was the holiday see my family my my twin had a baby in may which i've gotten to see three times now, but I I couldn't wait to see that little guy. Um, So I think the loneliness can be tough and also sort of the the creature comforts. Uh, I find that for me, I actually adapt to living or staying in dorms pretty easily, but there's times that, that can be tough. Um, You don't always, it's, it's community living, right? And you have very seasoned travelers that, you know, they know that if they're coming home at two in the morning, they, get a, you know, use their flashlight on their phone and they're trying to be quiet. And then you have those people that turn the light on and (laughs) don't care. And so I think those are those things that you have to kind of learn that, you know, this will happen sometimes. And, but sometimes it's tough and it is nice just to like, I've, I've loved staying in my childhood room and (laughs) getting a full night's sleep every night. It's been amazing.
0: (laughs) What are your thoughts around solo travel?
1: Oh, I love it. I am addicted. (laughs) It's, it's, um, I think it's one of the best things out there. And of course it depends so much on, you know, your personality and what really brings you joy. But I'm sort of of the camp that both introverts and extroverts, um, can find a lot of joy in solo travel because you can do like whatever the hell you want to do whenever the hell you want to do it. And there's nobody that's going to be arguing with you, telling you, anything. Ain't otherwise. nobody going to tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, when you want to be alone, you can be alone. Like I found that I I'm actually on the other side. I'm, I really like to be around people, but I found that when I go to museums, I actually like to go solo. I prefer to go alone. I can take my time. I'm not worried about what the other person is, you know, what if they want to move on, et cetera. But there's a lot of things that I think are more fun when you share them with people. Um, like going to a beach. I mean, I've, I've gone to beaches, alone many times, but it's really fun when you have a little group and you might, you know, get some drinks and it's just really, you know, have some music. It's really, really fun. And so I love solo travel because it puts you in a space where you have to put yourself out there. You have to meet people if if you want, right? But I I'm of the camp that I always want to meet people when I travel. And people are so receptive. There's so many other solo travels travelers out there. And you can meet them in hostels. But if you don't want to stay in hostels, you can meet them in so many other ways. I do the free walking tours, which are common in most, at least big European cities. Um, well, you, you tip at the end, of course, but a great way to meet people. You just, um, you know, you just go talk to them and say, oh, where are you from? Uh, you can also use Couch Surfer. They have a Hangout feature where you can meet people pretty easily. I've had a lot of um, success on that. So it's pretty easy to meet people and they're really receptive and you end up with these friends from all over the world, and I've um, this one woman. I met her in Finland, and I was in Australia where she lives, and I ended up staying with her for a while. And we went to her parents' cabin, and her, went to go see her boyfriend play in a. You know, he's in a band playing a show. It was this awesome experience, and I've had people come stay with me in San Francisco um, that I met traveling, and so it it's just you get this network of people around around the globe, and it also really opens your eyes. Um, to just different cultures and different ways of, of doing things. And also I I would say some of the privileges that we have, oh, that I have as, you know, living in the U S but also some of the negative sides. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't realize were so crazy until I hung out with a bunch of Europeans and they're like, wait, anyone can get a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure the NRA is not listening to this podcast. <laughs> we don't need to go go into that too much, but I know it's uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's no, it's very eye opening in in many ways. Of course, would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an Aeropress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one Aeropress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zero to com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. What about the time? Because you mentioned, you know, one of the perks of solo travel being that you you can be alone when you want and you can not be alone if you don't want to be. But there are also the times when you don't want to be alone and you are. The time you that in in Turkey, for example. What did that teach you about yourself?
1: Yeah, I think that it teaches you to be very comfortable being on your own and in your own thoughts. Um, it also- Which is
0: a lifelong lesson.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, certainly. Um, it also teaches you to, you, you you get more confidence. I would say I feel much more confident now that I've done more traveling because I know that I can be put in any situation. And even if I'm alone, i will be okay. I'll figure it out. I know that I can, you know, whether, whether the solution is going to ask a stranger for help or just to Google something. Um, I know that I am capable of, of handling it. Um, but yeah. And I, I know that it's okay to be lonely, right? It's, it's human nature. We're social animals in the end, but you don't always have people around. And I think, you know, during this time, people are feeling that more than ever. And it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to not always feel great. Um, that you don't always have to be happy all the time. I think with travel, it can kind of put this pressure on you that, Oh, this is my vacation, right? I need to make the most of it and seize the day. Well, sometimes you just want some comforts and you're happy just to spend, like, I think I spent a whole day watching South park one day. (laughs) Um, the new season is amazing by the way, if you guys haven't seen it. Um, and it just was this day that I needed for myself to recharge and yeah, I felt lonely, honestly. And it was comforting. And I was on a time zone that was 11 hours different than home. And so you know, it was, um, it, it can feel very isolating. Uh, another thing that I do is I will try to you know, call my friends and family and I'm lucky that my mom's a flight attendant. And so she's either working and on weird hours or she's totally free and down to, down to chat. Um, But I also found this app that you can essentially leave like video voicemails to, you know, friends and family. Um, It's called Mm -hmm. Marco Polo. And so I use that a lot. It's nice because you can sort of asynchronously, um, you know, have a conversation even though you're not like lining Mm -hmm. up on time zones.
0: Yeah. What are some other resources that you found helpful?
1: Yeah, I would say that's kind of the main one of the main things Um, I use. Um, house party and Zoom a lot to communicate with my friends. Uh, we have these uh, lunchtime workouts that we do together, and I might be having a a you know a beer or a glass of wine because it's 10 p.m. my time. But I'll, I'll find these times that we had scheduled and blocked out just to get some kind of comforts of home and some like socialization in. And honestly, I think hostels like hostels are a great resource to to meet people and um, even uh, one, one thing I found is that the volunteers at hostels, there's a lot of people that will work for accommodation. So um, which by the way, if, if anyone out there is thinking about traveling, but worried about, um, you know, the funds for it, it's such a great way to travel. If you volunteer at a hostel that you like, you can get your accommodation paid for oftentimes your food, but you also get to spend, you know, a few plus weeks or however long well, have you Have you done that? I haven't. And I am thinking about doing it because they build this community that's so cool. Like when you're, when you're somewhere for a while, you really get to know it, but you also build this community and really get to know the people. Um, And so I love chatting with uh, volunteers at hostels and um, I, I'm definitely considering it, even though I have saved the funds for this trip, I think it would be such a great experience that I'm really thinking about it. Um, Yeah. So they, they can be a huge resource and kind of connecting you with other travelers and, you know, kind of sharing what to do because, um, sometimes it is tough. You can't always research things ahead of time. And honestly, it's impossible if you're traveling long-term. So I think people can be a huge resource.
0: Yeah. Well, hmm. I have a couple more things I want to talk to you about. I, I I still want to get your thoughts on the small suitcase because you mentioned that, and that could be a good debate. I want to hear why you choose the small suitcase over the backpack. But I, I want to talk about the overall theme of this podcast. I feel like we've pretty well covered the why to take an adult gap year. You've heard a lot of the benefits just on this podcast in general, on this episode of, of the transformative power of travel, right? And all the things that it can give you. Let's talk a bit about the how. And I know this is going to. It's hard to give advice because everybody has their own specific situation and how they want to travel. But if we're talking to somebody who's interested in in traveling in the way that you are, and what I mean by that is longer term, more independent travel, less staying in fancy hotels and things like that so you can extend your travels. Not necessarily having to stay in hostels, but doing it in an independent way where you're not spending crazy amounts of money and blowing through all your cash. Uh, and I don't know if you want to get in specific amounts, but really the how you did it and and prepared the the sort of the practical advice. I want to hear some of your best practical advice for how somebody can go about doing this for themselves.
1: Yeah. Um, so I would say I I had a budget that I decided I had an amount of money that I chose to spend on this trip, and I'll say that I've met. At first, I thought when I told my sister about it, she thought I was crazy. She's like, oh, that's not enough. <laughs> but then, as I told other travelers about it that I met, they think I'm, you know, like, oh, that's way too much. You're like, living
0: large. <laughs> yeah. well, how, we talk, how much are we talking? Can, um, we, can you share? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I was planning on spending about 2000 a month. Um, and yeah, I met people that are spending almost nothing. I met a volunteer when I was in Cappadocia in Turkey. She had, I think, $10. To her name, and she was biking. Um, just basically, she's been biking across Europe. It was a really, really cool story. Um, and so you can travel off of, you know, very minimal. But if you do have the funds, I think it offers you a lot of conveniences. Like for example, instead of taking the twenty-four hour bus, I can take the two-hour flight. Like little things like that. I think, um, you know, I'm very, very thankful for for being able to do. Um, I'd say you you don't have to plan too much, but I actually do like to track my expenses and just make sure that I'm kind of in line with what I'm hoping. And I actually found, uh, I was hoping to, to do my, my initial plan was to go from Slovenia down to Turkey. Um, but I ended up doing a very different route just because of the, you know, kind of situation in the world. And I ended up in some really expensive places like Austria and the Netherlands. And so I felt really lucky. I was able to stick to my budget, um, which really show, opened my eyes that, hey, if I'm traveling in these countries for this amount, if I was in, let's say, Vietnam, I could travel for a fraction of that. I bet you could do it for if you really wanted a few hundred bucks a month. And if you volunteer, it opens up a lot more. Um, so I think it is something that is a really personal decision. But a lot of times, the less money you spend, the longer you can travel. And so I think a lot of people are really open to trying to be you know as budget friendly as they travel as possible. And for that reason, I really like hostels. Um, Airbnbs can be a great way to go too if you want to kind of get a a home base somewhere and kind of use that as um, a base while you do, you know, different day trips or weekend trips in different places. But I I prefer hostels just for the social aspect. And honestly, it's really budget friendly. There's kitchens. Usually they have really good recommendations and um, can really kind of point you in the right direction in terms of like how best to, arrange you know, certain sightseeing or different restaurants, etc.
0: So some of the key takeaways may be that you should figure out what your monthly budget would be on the road and match, matching that with you, the level of comfort you think you need out on the road, right? So doing a bit of research, figuring out what that number is, and then having a savings goal that gets you to that number, Essentially, that could be a very practical way to approach it, right? You're like, okay, I know I can take a year off because I plan on spending $1,000 a month. And now I know I need to save $12,000. And then I'm going to be able to do my trip, you know, from a practical standpoint. And we know there are a lot of em- emotional and logistical elements as well, which we talked about a bit. But okay, now that's cool.
1: And to add on that, I'd say just thinking about where you want to travel. Um, oh yeah. And the business. region of the
0: world. Cause yeah. Exactly. Makes a big difference. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like
1: like in Albania, I spent $14 a day. Right. Um, in, in Amsterdam, I was probably spending close to a hundred dollars a day. So oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's um you, you can really pick and choose. And there's some countries out there that are really affordable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a lot of experiences are flashing through my head right now. You know, that same $30, that same say thirty dollar day looks a lot different in one place versus another in in many ways depending on what the uh, what's going on <laughs> in in the country and at the time. Small suitcase. Give us your your you're you're a lawyer. You're walking in and you're giving us. You know you got the backpack lawyer on the one side. You're on trial and now you have to stand up and give your what do they call that? I don't know. Big speech? Is that a deposition? I don't. I deposition. don't know. I, I get, <laughs> Whatever you're, you're there. You're in the courtroom. You're like, all right. Here's my case for uh, the small suitcase.
1: Uh, oh yes, opening statement. Okay, got it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I'm definitely team suitcase, and I have gotten so much. Um, I just say crap from other backpackers <laughs> about this every time, um, and I've taken. I have. So my my mom is a flight attendant, and so she uses the same suitcase that I'm using. And so I was kind of inspired by her and it's really durable and this suitcase has been all over the world. it's really beat up, but it's still it's still chugging which
0: do you want to... Uh, it's a, a travel travel
1: pro um, okay. carry on it's i yeah I'm assuming it
0: has wheels it it's has, not you're not carrying it around
1: exactly it's one of those, <laughs> those wheels on four sides they can they can go in every direction there's a a handle you can um, kind of drag it versus a um, backpack and I'll say. It's it's tough to pack when you don't know where you're going. That's, I think, the, for me, the biggest challenge. In the past, I always knew where I was going, and it was way easier to pack. But I think, in general, you can always buy stuff. And a common thing is to go to a secondhand shop if you need a big coat or a hat. If, let's say you're going from somewhere warm to somewhere cold. So keep in mind that when you're packing, you don't need to bring everything. You can you can get things on the road, often for cheaper than you'd ever imagine. And so for me, I really like the small suitcase and I do a normal size backpack. I do travel with a laptop, which is another kind of controversial thing. I do like to have a laptop with me um, and I keep, you know, in the backpack, I keep my, my camera. Um, I travel with a, a drone, um, GoPro and passport and medication, all the kind of soup, the things I consider like valuable <laughs> that are on me. And then in the suitcase, yeah, I use little packing cubes. Um, So it's super easy to kind of organize my stuff. And I also like to have a little day pack that's like you know this $20 day pack from Amazon that folds into basically nothing that I also throw in my suitcase and can kind of serve as like, I don't know, something I can take on a boat and it's okay if it gets wet or take it on a two-day hike and it's going to get disgusting and that's fine. Um, The reason why I like the suitcase is... I can pretty much always carry it on a flight. Not not everywhere, because like, around the world, they have different restrictions in terms of the baggage and you know, weights and whatnot. But I know that my suitcase, if I pack it to the brim, it's never going to be more than 15 kilograms. And so I know that I can most of the time carry it on. And it actually saves, if you're doing a lot of flights, it does sort of factor in the cost. Uh, a lot of the budget airlines, if you're flying around Europe, it might be a $20 ticket, but then it's $50 if you have to check a bag. And I was traveling with this awesome German woman that I met. Um, we traveled for several weeks actually together. And she had a, she had probably less than half the stuff that I had. She was very, very uh, minimalist in terms of the stuff she brought. But she had a backpack that she had to check. And so even though she had a fraction of the things I had, she always had to check a bag and it was always more expensive. Um, so I found that that was pretty great. And then... For the most part it's pretty nice. If you have to walk a lot, it's pretty nice to kind of drag the bag around versus carrying you know, hauling around a big backpack. And I know what you're thinking. There's, you know, places in Europe where it's cobblestones and yes, it's not always great. Um, one one example I have is I was in the Philippines and there was this hostel on um Nakpan Beach um, where you had to enter the hostel by about 200 meters of walking on the beach, (laughs) which is really cool if you think about it. But also, man, I had to take my suitcase, you know, these 200, that's two football fields um, on the beach. And I was, I was traveling with this Israeli girl at the time that I met and she's, she looked at me and she's like, all right, now that kind of sucks with your suitcase, huh? And I'm like, you know, it does, this is probably the worst thing I'll encounter. Um, And it was hot and it was just, yeah. But I, I honestly, I took it on my head (laughs) and I walked and it was fine. By the time I got to the hostel, she was like dying and um, I was okay. And so I'm like, okay, team suitcase.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And there's the opening statement. Now that was, there you go. You made your case. No pun intended. Let's talk destinations because this is a travel podcast. So
1: <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> give us some highlights.
1: Yeah. Um, do you mean just this last trip, or just in general? Because I I have a lot to talk about.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say just in general. You know, it's always nice to find out about some new places as well, maybe that are less talked about type of places.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of counting countries because you can do you know one night in a country or a year in a country, and it's very different. Um, so I'm at about. But that, that that aside, I've been to about forty countries, um, and there's just some amazing, amazing places out there. Um, I'd say, gosh, how do I even narrow it down? One thing that, one place I really loved was Slovenia. Uh, It's, the nature there is incredible. Um, I mean, I think, well, not everyone, but people know about Lake Bled, but there's so much more. There's um, Mount Trigloff, this awesome two-day hike that you can do that's pretty challenging, but amazing it's the highest peak in slovenia they have this town called ljubljana or it's their major city and it's just it's awesome there's this cool castle uh, amazing food just a fun kind of laid back atmosphere slovenians are awesome they're so they're cool they're funny they're laid back but they're they're just they're great like i was in this mountain hut in the middle of this hike and um, with this German girl I met, dif- different German girl. I traveled with a lot of Germans. There's a lot of Germans out there. <laughs> um, and yeah, they just, this whole group just, um, they bought us wine and they they were like, come with us. We're going to do the summit at sunrise. You should come with us. And we're like, yes, sure. Cool. And so we had this sort of Slovenian um, entourage. And I actually had purchased a Slovenian flag for, I won't get into the story, but I had it with me. And we got to the summit at sunrise and I wanted a photo of me holding the flag up at the summit and they all turned to me and they all started singing their national anthem. And it was like one of the best travel moments of my life. It was like, I get chills just thinking about it. It was like to be at the top of a mountain at sunrise, seeing that was so cool.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. What are some other a couple, give us a couple other.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see. New Zealand has amazing nature uh, the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu is incredible. Um, the north of Greece, there's a place called Meteora, where they actually filmed a James Bond movie. There's like a bunch of monasteries up on mountains. And it's, it's amazing. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And nobody goes there. <laughs> it's, it's, um it's really cool. Uh, Burning Man in the US, I don't know if I'd consider that travel because it's actually drivable from San Francisco. But I'm a total burner. It's, um, if you can go do it, <laughs> um, the Philippines, uh, I did a month in the Philippines in the past and, uh, I got my open water certification for scuba diving. It's a really affordable place. And there's all these cool islands. Uh, you don't have to just go to El Nido and Coron, which are amazing as well, but there's this cool island called Shargao over in the East. And it's like a surf Island. You can, get up at sunrise every morning and take a surf lesson for super cheap. Um, and you can, you can surf at sunset every night. And it's just like, I think if you're a digital nomad, that would be like an awesome place to go hang out. Um, gosh, I, ha- I could go on for hours. I'll I should just end here, but I could go on for hours.
0: <laughs> no, that, that's great. Uh, I did want to hear your best piece of advice for meeting locals. You mentioned the Slovenians on top of the mountain and everything. And it's, it's great to meet other travelers as well. I always love talking with other travelers and hearing their stories and but it's also nice to meet locals as well. It just of course adds more to the experience when you're meeting people from the place you're at and I feel like it's easier to do when you're traveling solo in some ways, but that that is a conversation for another time. But what what is your best piece of advice for meeting locals?
1: Yeah. Well, I'd say so coming from the US, we have this culture where It's okay to talk to strangers. If you're at a grocery store, you can ask a stranger a question. We're really comfortable with strangers. It's not the case everywhere else. But what I've found is that um, even something as easy as asking someone to take a photo of you can strike up a conversation, Uh, asking for advice for something. The thing is like with solo travel, everybody wants to help you. (laughs) People, People that don't solo travel, they don't understand that it's it's not as bad as it sounds, <laughs> and they want to help you. They're like on your team, and I found that just by asking, you know, for easy things, hey, how do I get here? Uh, I mean, that's how I ended up with that Syrian family. Was I was on a, a like a bus, and I asked, "Am I getting off at the right place?" And all of a sudden, I had you know a day and a half with this awesome family, and kind of got to learn about their life and um, you know everything that they've gone through. It was really amazing. Uh, Just asking someone to take a photo, I ended up hanging out with this brother and sister for most of the day. And this is also in Turkey. And they showed me around and uh, we use Google Translate and it was amazing. So I think just being willing to put yourself out there and also definitely using your own judgment in terms of, do you feel safe and comfortable? um, But being open to saying yes to things. Uh, I I will say one piece of advice I have is I think it's better to be proactive versus reactive. So if you're lost or, you know, something and you need help, I, my recommendation is to find somebody that you think looks friendly and trustworthy and go ask them versus having somebody come to you. Uh, It kind of gives you a bit more power over, over that conversation, but you, it, For me, it's actually very far outside of my comfort zone to go ask a stranger for help. I really don't like to do that, but they're always helpful and they're always willing to give their advice. Um, Like I've never had a bad experience doing that, and so that's my my recommendation is just don't be afraid to ask. Um, And yeah, it's it's a bit different now. Also, going to to bars, it's easy to hang out at a hostel bar. It's fun, it's cheap, it's it's really easy. But if you can go out, I think. I hate to say it, but alcohol is sort of the social lubricant. So it can be a good way to meet um, people, especially in cultures where they don't have that, you know, talk to stranger culture, like in the Nordics per se.
0: Yeah. Are you telling everybody to go get drunk? No, I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I got to watch what I'm saying here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We know what you mean though. And the the general thing is to, to openness and willing to put yourself out there and have the conversations. Right. I, I like your bit of advice about, just the simple asking for the simple things maybe if you're a shy person you don't want to just strike up a random conversation but you can find the courage to ask somebody to take your picture for example and start start uh, an engagement that way where can uh, people find you i know you're doing some upside down stuff (laughs) a lot of a lot of handstands around the world on instagram i think yeah Uh, you want to just let people know if they're curious of you know, if they want to get in touch with you after this interview, maybe have some questions for you, just want to say hi or whatever, where can they find you?
1: For sure. Yeah. I'm at brook.meets.world on Instagram. I don't have a blog. I actually very intentionally decided I didn't want to spend the time to write a blog, but I am pretty passionate. I love photography. I'm an amateur. I'm in no way, you know, that skilled at it, but I enjoy it. And um, yeah, I, that's sort of one of my themes is I, I'm a, an ex gymnast and an ex cheerleader, and I do a lot of acrobatics nowadays. And so I like to do handstands in every country. Instead of souvenirs, I'm not a fan of, you know, I don't, I don't have the space to collect things in each country. So I do a handstand photo in every country, and so I have some acrobatic stuff on there. But yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm at um, it's b r o o k e dot m e e t s dot world. Kind of a play on Boy Meets World for those people that are in my age group.
0: Yes, I was, I was, <laughs> guessing that. I was guessing that, um, <laughs> and you know, going upside down in various random places around the world, also a good way to meet locals. Yes. Right? Like, Hey, who's this, who's this chick that's just upside down for no reason on the top is. of this mountain. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: um, like- do you mind taking a, a photo of me? By the way, it's going to be a handstand. They're always like, Yeah, <laughs> And I, I have to do a little plug for Acro Yoga. If, if you haven't heard of it, Google it. But it's it's actually a really cool community, something I didn't expect when I got into it. Pretty much everywhere in the world, there's an Acro Yoga Facebook group. And it's such an inclusive, welcoming community that you could probably... like. I've actually met people traveling um, just with Acro Yoga. And so um, really inclusive, really fun, great way to meet people. That's how I got, that's how I ended up going to Burning Man. Actually, I'm in an acrobat camp at Burning Man. It's a hundred acrobats and we build this awesome jungle gym for people to come play on. So if, if you're a burner out there, come, come say hi at swing city. <laughs> that's our, that's our camp name. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to meet people.
0: Awesome. That, that can apply to anybody's hobby, right? If you're into X, Y, or Z and you can find, A local, say, Facebook group or something where people are, you know, just find where the scene is for that in a place and just introduce yourself there and and get hooked in a bit, then that's a great way to discover new places that are off the beaten path, I would say. So, well, Brooke, I appreciate you taking the time today. It's if you're in Seattle, I I forgot to say it's probably extremely early for you. (laughs) what time is it there
1: it's about six twenty a.m but Ooh. i'm well caffeinated so i mean i'm, I'm from <laughs> seattle it, it runs in my veins yes
0: yeah right exactly i appreciate you getting up early for this and just sharing your experience leading up to this gap year and now part way through it uh, during a pandemic nonetheless and it's a lot of great takeaways here so thank you so much for your time and Hope we can stay in touch. And let me know if you ever come through Norway.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Jason.
0: (laughs) All right. Take care. Bye. There you have it. Thank you once again to Brooke for stopping by, sharing her story and her advice and experience around taking her own adult gap year. Did it get your wheels turning if you're somebody that's considered just shall we say, dropping out to travel for a period of time, did this episode get you fired up? Are you ready to throw caution to the wind? (laughs) Let loose the sail? I don't know, whatever cliches you want to throw in there. Are you ready for it after this episode? Maybe. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Either way, you know, one of my favorite things is to hear from you, the listeners out there. I feel like... The emails have slowed down a little bit. I, I kind of, I'm wondering like, hey, what are you all up to out there? This is a community-powered show, man. Ladies and gentlemen, please drop me a line. Jason at zero2travel Uh You can send me a voice message and I can put your question or your tip or your advice onto the podcast, share it with the community if it's going to be helpful to everybody. And of course, I just love to hear your stories and just to... To, to connect. So uh, reach out anytime. I do want to give a shout out to a couple kind souls who left me reviews on iTunes, which always helps get the show out there and helps other people to travel, right? So uh, if you want to pay it forward, you can always leave a review. And uh, I got one from Quinn Liz, who said, one of my favorites, five star review. She said the podcast has turned her on to many cool people and businesses, which makes me feel grateful. And Summa explores another five-star, a view of the world through many lenses. I enjoy the balance of travel, philosophy, and practical advice in this podcast. The guests Jason invites on are so different and unique, and I get a different takeaway from every episode. Yay, that's the goal, right? To give you some takeaways, some solid takeaways that you can implement into your life. And you know, sneakily or maybe not so sneakily it's not just about travel here right this is about all of us improving our overall lives travel as a part of that creating these holistic lifestyles where we can you know live life generally the way we want to live it and i hope that the podcast brings you some great takeaways each and every week Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a listener. I don't mean to give you a hard time about not getting in touch, but man, do I love to hear from you all out there in the listening community. So if you have a moment, please feel free to get in touch. Now, I do want to talk about this question I posed at the top of the show, this idea of what you think you are giving up versus what you are actually giving up. Now, this comes down to mindset, right? And, and what I want to do here is just create an awareness around this question, right? We have to question ourselves and sometimes that's hard because we're so deep in our own thoughts and, and the, the sea of emotions tied to whatever it is we're deciding on, whether it's to travel or something else or what, whatever decisions we're weighing. Generally speaking, in order to kind of do things, do certain things, you have to potentially let go of other things because we can't do it all. Our time is limited. And you see that every day in, in the tasks we choose, right? Well, we can only do certain things in certain days because if we choose to do this one task, that means we're giving up these other tasks or these other things we might want to do because we can't do it all. When it comes to travel... The stakes can be pretty high. You know, you're going to take an adult gap year. You're going to travel for a year. Well, you're going to have to give some things up, right? And I think this is a good power question, something to be aware of. What do you think you're giving up? What do you perceive you are giving up versus what are you actually giving up, right? So I still think the best example from today's interview as a specific thing was the rent-controlled apartment that Brooke Had to give up. So, on the surface, she's just giving up an apartment, right? But it's much more than that, right? She's giving up a city she enjoys living in, a city that you can't find other cheap apartments in, or it's difficult to find housing that is affordable. So, you're giving all those things up. It's easy to see those things in front of you, but what might you be gaining, right? And what are you actually giving up in the end? You're just giving up an apartment to travel, right? So, what you're getting on the back end, as you can hear, at least in Brooke's case, it sounds like it's a lot more fulfilling of a life that she's living now. And of course, yes, she's got money saved, she's traveling and all that good stuff. Life is good. But, you know, sometimes I think we over exaggerate or build up the things we're giving up and maybe almost put them on a pedestal a little bit more than they should be not always but sometimes that is the case right sometimes we we think we're giving up way more than we actually are giving up so again with these little riffs here at the end of the shows there's no right answer it's just this uh, this overall concept that I wanted to introduce something that I took away from this interview and something that I'm thinking about in my own life when I'm making decisions. What, am I, what do I think I'm giving up? Is, is it, is, am I blowing it up and making it so big that I just can't let go or I can't make a decision? And what am I actually giving up? Maybe sometimes those two things are the same, but I think this comes down to a mindset and it's just something I wanted to pull out to make myself aware of coming out of this episode and to to bring up to you as well so something to think about as you go about your day thank you for hanging out with me once again you guys rock I want to pull out a quote from the quote drawer from my wisdom of the east calendar I always stick the old quotes in this drawer and then we always see what kind of wisdom will, will pop out sorry I'm fumbling through a lot apparently I have a lot of papers in my drawer now a lot of things that that <laughs> need to be tended to this is the drawer I put my stuff where I'm like hey you gotta do this stuff here's this bill you gotta pay it and uh, now I guess there's so much in there so there gosh I'm really digging deep okay here we go when you notice an inner gateway enter with love as one coming home you belong here that was from Radiance Sutras. I'll leave you with that. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by zero to travel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams
1: a reality.